We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Candlestick Chronicles, the third podcast that we've done this week. This is the 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. With me, as always, Kyle Madsen of Niners Wire of the USA Today Sports Media Group and 95.7 The Game. Kyle, what's happening? Not a lot, dude. We've we've reached the point of the year where beating the heat is is no longer necessary like it it warmed up there for a hot second i thought we were back but uh today it was just you know it was nice out it was it was it was it was a day i would classify as nice and a day that i actually wanted to be outside today in the south bay was extremely warm it was like 90 degrees out at practice today i was oh, uh, i was sweating oh see i i spend I'm in San Francisco by 7:30 a.m. and I don't leave until around four o'clock. So by the time I leave work, it's it's pleasant. Like hot in San Francisco is like 83, which is which is pretty comfortable, uh, especially when you've been dealing for with with triple digits all summer. So uh, and then by the time I get into the East Bay, you know it's it's starting to cool down a little bit. Um, like I, I think it was 89 or 90 today, which is which mm-hmm. is not horrible. So yeah, well. 
so as the weather is oddly heating up in in the South Bay, given the fact that we're approaching late October here, so is the 49ers schedule. How about that? Uh, Transition. uh, On Sunday, the 49ers host the 4-2 Carolina Panthers, winners of four straight games who are coming off their bye week after beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers two weeks ago in London. Um, And the, the more I look at this game, and we're going to preview we're going to preview this game on on this pod episode obviously and if you want the breakdown of the Emmanuel Sanders trade we recorded an emergency pod uh that came out on Wednesday so if you haven't listened to that one yet i encourage you to to go back and do that because we're not going to really revisit the Emmanuel Sanders trade in this one too much but we will talk about his impact on this game on Sunday but um Just looking at what the 49ers have done the last couple weeks, and I understand the circumstances have been a little bit different, particularly because of the rain in Washington last week, and there isn't a whole lot you can take away from that game. And obviously, with the field and all the the water everywhere, you wouldn't expect there to be much uh, offensive productivity from, from the 49ers. But just looking at the way things have gone these last couple weeks, I think the 49ers are going to need to play drastically better on offense if they're going to beat the Carolina Panthers. And and it's not that necessarily the I think this game is dangerous because the Panthers are better than the 49ers. I think sometimes it it comes down to when you play a team and, and not necessarily, you know, the the strength of, you know, how good a team is. It's like it's right. It's a bad time to play the Panthers right now if you're if you're the 49ers the way you're going because look I, I think at some point the 49ers are gonna are, are really gonna get hurt by the injuries that they've had on offense and they haven't to this point yet because the defense has played so well allowing just 10 points combined over the last three games and I think there's a possibility a strong possibility that the defense is going to play really well again against Carolina. But looking at Carolina's defense, Kyle, I, I feel pretty comfortable saying that that unit is the best defense the 49ers have played to date, and they're fresh. Uh, their defensive front matches up very well against the 49ers' offensive line at the moment, particularly without their starting tackles, obviously, and Kyle Juszczyk is out. Running the numbers, the 49ers have have averaged 2.95 yards per carry the last two weeks and yeah obviously that that one of those games was in Washington but they didn't run the ball particularly well against the Rams either and I think just given how reliant the 49ers have been like if they don't jump out to a lead or really dominate Carolina defensively I I think there's a really decent chance that that this game is, is more dangerous maybe than a lot of people think yeah it feels like one of those games where if Carolina gets to like I think 17 points might win this game this is these are these are two really good defenses Carolina can be had on the ground though and that's I think the thing I'm most interested to see is if the 49ers can revive their running game without Kyle Juszczyk and maybe it's the defenses they've played maybe it was the Rams defense which which they are very stout against the run and then it was the mud and the rain in Washington that slowed them down. But Carolina's 30th in, in rushing DVOA, basically rushing efficiency uh, on, on defense. They're one of the worst teams in the league. 
And through the first several weeks, or the first four weeks, they gave up 166, 100, 121, 136, and 149 yards on the ground. And the 49ers decline uh, in in the running game, which you mentioned the 2.95 yards per carry the last two weeks, has coincided with Kyle Juszczyk getting hurt. And I think that has a lot to do with it. Their scheme just doesn't run the same way or run as effectively, I should say, without use check in there. I'm wondering if they'll be able to find yardage against this Carolina defense on the ground and try and nullify what is a, a really, really good pass defense. Yeah, and, and look, I, I said this to somebody and and it sounds obvious and it's like it's really not good analysis. But when you when you go twelve and four in a season, you're a really good team, right? But you still lose four times, so it, it's not always it's it's not always like you lose a game. It's the end of the world, and uh, it's a referendum on where things stand in your season. I just at some point the 49ers are going to lose a game, and I'm looking at this like Carol Carolina's coming off a bye. They're really good along the edges. They have unquestionably the best linebacker the 49ers have faced until they go up against Bobby Wagner in a couple weeks. Um, if they can't run the ball, then then we're going to have to see Jimmy Garoppolo win a game with his arm. And, and that's been a question that everybody has had about the 49ers this season. Can Jimmy Garoppolo do that? And, and obviously adding Emmanuel Sanders becomes really critical starting this week because I'm expecting, and as you mentioned, like, Carolina hasn't been good against the run, but when NFL teams devote themselves to stopping the run, typically they can do that. Right. Uh, it, good NFL teams, and and I would classify Carolina as a good NFL team. I believe they're in the playoff mix right now. They're I think leading they're the, the division. No, the Saints are the Saints yeah. are are leading that division. They're, they're I think they're they're in a wild card spot at the moment, though. Um, but a team that has won four straight games with Ron Rivera as coach. A, a really talented defensive front with a slew of first round picks in that front seven. I just think that this could be the first opportunity we have to see Jimmy Garoppolo this year need to win a game with his arm. And so how is Emmanuel Sanders learning the offense? I, I think so far from, from what I've gathered in just, you know, the 49ers have had two practices with Emmanuel Sanders. It's been pretty smooth. And it's Sanders said this week, it's, the offense is 90% the same as as what he was running in Denver under Rich Scangarello, who was, of course, with, with the 49ers as a quarterback's coach the last two years. So it could be that Sanders completely changes things. And maybe Sanders unlocks George Kittle. And, and maybe having those two guys creates more space for everybody else. And if the passing game is more dynamic, then maybe the 49ers can find more of a rhythm on the ground. Um, but I just haven't seen it yet. And, it, and it's hard to have confidence in that idea without having seen it because the game scripts to date through these first six games have been really favorable for the 49ers like the Rams. Yeah, they jumped out to that lead, but the 49ers came back pretty quickly and scored a touchdown and then really asserted themselves with defensively and and holding the Rams to just those seven points. And that Cleveland game never felt like it was close at all from the jump. So, you know, the Washington game was what it was, but if the 49ers have a performance, say, like they did against the Steelers in their home opener, where they turned the ball over five times, they were sloppy, 
Um, I don't think they're going to be able to beat Carolina if they have that kind of performance. And I think it's possible given the fact that you are missing your two tackles and your fullback. And at some point that's going to come back to hurt you because like, I think the Niners are good. I think they're, they're in the driver's seat to win the position, to win the division, which is saying a lot because I think the NFC West is really good and the Niners are going to get their tackles back. But just for right now, it's hard for me to feel confident that they're going to win this game handily, or we should we should go into it thinking they'll win handily, just given the way things have gone with, with them not being able to run the ball effectively the last two weeks because they're leading the NFL in rushing rate um, and, and overall rushing attempts, right? So Kyle Shanahan has made it clear the basis of the offense is the running game, and, and so much of the success through the passing game has been through play action because for most of the season, the 49ers have have been among the, the top of the league in play action usage. So if the running game doesn't work, which it ha- which frankly it hasn't the last two games, the reason why the 49ers have won these last two games so decisively has been because of the defense. And maybe that happens again. But it could be one of those games where the defense simply can't do it on its own. And, and I, I'm eager to see how this plays out because I, I think Carolina is the best team the 49ers have faced, and it, it's going to be a really good test. Yeah, I think so too. It, it, it reminds me of there was a game. I was talking to, to Bonte Hill and Joe Shasky at 95-7 the game about this, and they brought up a game that I think is, is perfectly relatable to this one. It was when the Niners played the Panthers – 2013 at Candlestick. 2013 at Candlestick. Yeah, it was 10 to 9 was the final. The Panthers won. Mm-hmm. Uh the Niners went up 9 to nothing and the Panthers scored the final 10 points. It feels like one of those games where it's 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 clear the Niners belong on the field with Carolina and might even be better, but one or two mistakes swings the outcome in what's probably going to be a a really close game. And it's just it's I mean, we're talking a lot about about Carolina's defense forcing the Niners into mistakes. I think the Niners can can do that to the Panthers as well. Kyle Allen is not exceptionally careful with the football inside the pocket. If it feels like the first the team that wins the turnover battle here probably wins again. It just it it there's 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 something strange where th- this. It's going to be clunky. Does that clunky? Can it, is is that the right word? Like, there's it's not going yeah, to be a lot of totally. flow. It's just going to be like an ugly kind of heavyweight fight. Yeah, totally agree. And and I think it's it's one of those things where like people talk about boxing, like it's matchups that make the fight right. That's and and I just think right now <laughs> Carolina is a, t- a tough matchup. Yeah, I think so. And and maybe a fully healthy Niners team. With Staley and McGlinchey and Yuzcheck and Akella Witherspoon, maybe they go in and 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 roll the Panthers by two scores. But right now, the Forty ers don't have those guys. They may have Joe Staley, but I'm not sure how much of a of a difference he makes missing Yuzcheck and and at least one starting tackle, like a, handcuffs them in the running game, and that's what a large portion of their offense is predicated on. And like I said, maybe they figure it out this week, but the last two weeks aren't super inspiring that they're going to do that. So I'm very interested to see how they come out um, against against this Carolina team that's been so good against the past. 
Yeah, and I think going back to to that 2013 game against the Panthers at Candlestick Park, didn't Vernon Davis leave that game in the middle of it, or wasn't he not available? And you remember how important Vernon Davis was to the offense because that team really didn't have much going on in the passing game outside of Vernon Davis, and he was so important to what they did because of how often they ran the ball and what he was able to give them as, as an explosive, you know, deep threat element um and it was like they they just couldn't function without him and carolina was really good and i do see a lot of parallels to to this game too yeah vernon Um, played 22 snaps in that game 22 of 53 snaps yeah i think he left i think he got uh i think he left to get checked for a head injury midway through if memory serves um because i remember like people thinking the world was ending when the 49ers lost that game because they were clearly a better team. And I'm, like the Niners are clearly better than the Panthers. I, right. I think that's that, right. that's evident. But the problem is it's really hard to go win a bunch of games in the NFL without your two starting tackles and your starting fullback, your only fullback, when you want to run the ball as often as the 49ers do. So I just think they need to play drastically better. Like it's not a controversial thing to say the the league's most heavily reliant running team needs to run the ball better than they had the last two weeks if they're going to have a chance against the best defense they've faced. So, yep. yeah. So anyway, I tweeted that out and I, that that idea out that like the Niners need to be more efficient on the ground um, <laughs> to sustain the success they have, and and like people, you know, coming at me like. Oh man, last game doesn't count. Well, they were bad against the Rams and like I'm not saying the 49ers can't win or that that they won't win. I just think it's going to be their toughest game yet. And I just I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it went poorly because they're due. Like they're due for a bad game. They're not going to go 16 and 0. Like they, they could go 12 and 4. They're going to lose four times Wait, if they do that. And this might be one of those games. Just in case anyone wants it. They odds are they're not going 16 and 0. Wow, you're such a hater. I can't believe I can't believe you said that. Hey, can I real quick? Dan Scuda played 41 snaps in that game. Dan Scuda, the uh what what Jim Harbaugh call him? I have no he idea. He called him like a Civil War general. Oh yeah, something something weird like that. Craig Dahl played 28 snaps at strong safety. God, everyone's favorite Craig Dahl. Yeah, loved loved Craig Dahl. Craig Dahl in 2014, I think had a game ceiling interception against the Cardinals in uh, Jim Harbaugh's last game. Fun fact. <laughs> Craig Dahl would inspire so much hatred and anger on social media because like he would be one of those guys that would play a lot in the preseason and he would get burned for touchdowns in the preseason. And people would just be like, God, this guy's trash. He sucks. And like, I'm not saying he was a good player. Sure. But people would just get so angry about Craig Dawn. It's like, man, just relax. He's, he he's a backup safety for a reason. He plays special teams. He wasn't a great <laughs> safety. He was really good at special teams, though. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm curious to see how how Emmanuel Sanders changes things because I do think they're going to need a big game from him. Uh, Marquise Goodwin didn't practice today, and this is the second, second time in, in two weeks he's missed practice due to a personal injury. He was in the locker room today uh, before practice and the team gave him uh, it was an excused absence. So um, hopefully everything's okay with, with Marquise, but it is not- notable given that 
He leads the 49ers receivers in, in receiving yards, of course, before Emmanuel Sanders got here. And also Dante Pettis showed up on the on the injury report with a knee injury. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday. So that happened today on Thursday. I, we don't know how that's going to impact his status. We'll have a better idea tomorrow. But um, Emmanuel Sanders, too, like having watched him practice against air uh, the last two days, like dude is fast. Dude's really fast. He's a really good route runner. And obviously this isn't breaking news. Like we we've seen him play a lot of football um, in, in game situations, but uh, it's easy to see why Kyle Shanahan likes him. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I'm very fascinated to see what he, what he looks like in this offense. It's not going to be anything dramatically different, but he's so good at creating separation and doing so quickly that I'm, I'm really interested to see how quickly his rapport with Jimmy Garoppolo grows because if he's creating throwing windows really rapidly and and it allows Garoppolo to take some more chances down the field without throwing into tight windows and might get intercepted, I'm I I think it might open up the Niners offense a little bit more than than a normal 32-year-old coming off an Achilles injury might. Uh, all right, before we talk more about Sunday's game against Carolina and dive into the minutia of it, let's take a quick break. Following a team you love in 2019 can be time-consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. That's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at, axios. at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up and it's free. Sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up at at sports.axios.com. Again, try for free 99 at sports.axios.com. Indochino was founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. Kyle, how much better do you feel when you're covering a game and you're wearing one of your favorite Hawaiian shirts? Way better, but I would feel even better than that in an Indochino suit. Absolutely. And and we should note, too, uh, the 49ers are going to wear their, their 94 throwbacks, which are throwbacks to uh, a previous era. They're throwbacks of throwbacks. Um, yeah. those all white ones. So maybe that's going to impact the game because the 49ers are going to feel uh, really good ab- about what they're wearing like you guys will in Indochino. So Indochino is the world's largest made to measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more and everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. The best part is they are affordable. Almost all their custom clothing is under $400. The process is simple. Choose your fabric. Piss <laughs> piss 
pick your customizations and submit your measurements. Do not piss your customizations. That would yeah, not work sure out don't well. don't do that. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your own suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Select your style upgrade now with a $30 off, with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more. An incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You you really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. All right, so I think one thing that the 49ers do have to feel good about is the matchup at quarterback. And Kyle, you had some thoughts about Kyle Allen, who's obviously replacing... Uh, Cam Newton, who is not going to play because he's coming off a foot injury. And I mean, Carolina's looked pretty good with Kyle Allen at quarterback. He's not spectacular, but he's also not turning the ball over and doing everything he can to play opposite that strong defense. But give me your uh, give me your Kyle Allen thoughts. So Kyle Allen this year is let me pull his numbers up. Kyle Allen this year, he's four and oh, he's completing sixty five point six percent of his throws. 901 yards, seven touchdowns, no interceptions. He has a quarterback rating of 106.6. Last year, he made one start, two touchdowns, no picks, 266 yards, um, 113.1 rating. He was really, really good um, in one start last year. But when you look at what the Panthers do, it's a lot of Christian McCaffrey. It's a lot of short throws to McCaffrey, handoffs to McCaffrey. He's responsible for half of their touchdowns. Carolina has the third best average starting field position in the league. They've scored 54 points off turnovers. And Allen has faced in his four starts the Cardinals, who are 26th in passing DVOA. That's that defensive efficiency metric. Texans, who are 22nd. The Jags, who are 9th. And the Buccaneers, who are 25th. The 49ers rank second in passing DVOA. So this is by a pretty wide margin. Passing defense DVOA? Yeah. What did I say? Just passing. Oh, yeah. Passing defense DVOA. Uh, This is by far the best passing defense that he's faced. And I mentioned that he's fumbled six times this year. That's a result of not taking care of the football in the pocket. And the 49ers have some of the most disruptive pass rushers um, in the league. So I'm really, I'm not sold on Kyle Allen. Being 5-0 and is awesome. Uh, typically terrible quarterbacks don't go 5-0, and but I'm not certain that he is this unbeatable force of nature that Patrick Mahomes was last year or, or whatever. I think that he is susceptible to mistakes, and the 49ers have the personnel to really expose that in a way that the Cardinals, Texans, Jaguars, and Buccaneers couldn't. Yeah, and and I do think, I mean, the 49ers defense matches up well with anybody based on their formula, right? They they blitz at 16%, which is the second lowest rate in the league. And they do that because they can generate pressure with the front four. Right. Um, that's probably the best thing you can have as a defense going right now right like if you can drop seven guys into coverage and you have good players in coverage like the 49ers do right now that's a really advantageous way to play defense particularly against Christian McCaffrey 
right? So the 49ers predominantly play zone. They've, they've mixed in more man this year and they've been more multiple in terms of what they do from a coverage standpoint, but they're predominantly a zone defense. So when you go against a running back like Christian McCaffrey and you're not blitzing and you're playing mostly zone, that is probably the best way to limit what Christian McCaffrey can do because there aren't going to be pockets of space for McCaffrey to exploit. And when you're playing zone, people have their eyes on the quarterback instead of playing man when people have their back to the quarterback and maybe the running back coming out of the backfield, right? So what screens are so effective against is the blitz and the 49ers don't blitz often. So that's going to be to their benefit. I'd imagine they're not going to blitz a whole lot against Kyle Allen because they're going to make sure that to, to take away McCaffrey and and just continue playing strong zone defense. So I do think the 49ers are going to have a good enough plan defensively to do what they need to do. Um, but it, it's just, you know, I, I'm very curious too, because this is going to be the best test for Quan Alexander and Fred Warner. And those guys have been really, really good so far. But this is why you get Quan Alexander. This is why you you spend $14 million a year and give him $54 million overall, which is a seventh biggest contract for any linebacker in the NFL because you like Alexander's speed in this exact scenario. And, and if the Panthers are a playoff team, then there's a real chance that this is a playoff preview, right? Like it wouldn't be inconceivable that in January at some point, Carolina comes as a wild card team to play the 49ers at Levi's. Like that's that's a very real possibility. And you get Quan Alexander to patrol the middle of the field and utilize his speed to slow down somebody like McCaffrey. So I'm very eager to watch how Alexander plays against McCaffrey, how the 49ers do, and if playing zone defense mostly and just keeping McCaffrey in front of them, not creating pockets of space for McCaffrey to exploit whether it's in man-to-man coverage or blitzing, um, I'm curious to see how that works out. And I think defensively, the 49ers can are going to have a successful strategy because, like you said, Kyle Allen's probably not as good as statistics would indicate, but he, he is the highest-rated quarterback the 49ers w- would have gone against this year, mostly because he hasn't thrown an interception. But as you mentioned, too, he's fumbled a lot. I want to make a prediction for the TV broadcast talking point. Okay. Over or under one and a half times, we hear about the chess match between Robert Sala and Norv Turner. Uh, I'm plenty of like times. They, I mean, I, I usually don't watch the the broadcast, but we're gonna hear about it. I I usually so what so I, I'm sure you're like me, and I'm sure a lot of people with NFL Game Pass do the same thing day after the game or maybe that night you go back and watch the condensed game. So you don't really hear the commentary because they cut the commentary, a condensed game for, for people that don't know, they just cut out all the like middle stuff between plays. So you get a football game in 35 minutes. It's really great, but you don't get the commentary. I'm going to watch this game back in full just to hear the commentary because I bet that gets talked about three to five times where they talk about oh future head coaches and Robert Sala has been on the hot list of NBA uh, of 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 future NFL head coaches and you know Norv Turner the Panthers offensive coordinator was a head coach once and he might be working his way back into the ranks because look what he's done with Christian McCaffrey that's for sure going to happen I just produced an entire segment right there for for the Fox broadcast you guys are welcome 
Yeah, and I'm sure Dick Stockton and Mark Schlereth are listening. Yeah. Um, also, Dick Stockton and Mark Schlereth doing another 49ers game. They did Niners Rams. Um, I can only guess, and look, I'm I'm not this is not me bashing Dick Stockton and Mark Schlereth. Um, but like this is probably the one of the best games that Fox is gonna have on Sunday. And I think objectively you could say Mark Schlereth and Dick Stockton are like the D or E group of broadcasters they have like going around the country and They're not great. and maybe this changes after the world series is over. Um, but like two teams with a combined uh, 10 and two record and not getting like at least the B squad is a little bit uh, questionable in my opinion, but thankfully like, I mean, I feel, I just feel bad for, I, I don't have to watch it thankfully, but I just feel bad for all the fans because um some Dick Stockton broadcasts aren't great. It's right? like it's like they think the Niners are still bad. Well, it could have been that they divvied out all these pre-World Series yeah, assignments, I mean, or at least before the end of the World Series is over, they divvied all these Albert, out at the at the start of the season. Kick it to Tom Brenneman. Right. Sorry. Right. Or or uh, what, what's John Lynch's old old partner's name? Um, Who? John Lynch, when when John Lynch was in the booth. Spiro Didis? No. This is killing me. I'm going to Google this. Uh, Kevin Burkhardt. Kevin Burkhardt. Burkhardt. Yeah, no, Burkhardt's good. I like Burkhardt. Yeah, like why? You know, I like them all. Can't get I Burkhardt. should say I like them all. Right. And Dick Stockton's a legend. He's been doing this for years right. and years, but... We can say objectively he's not one of Fox's two best crews. Right. And and this is a matchup between teams that are combined ten and two. Anyway, um, let's talk about let's talk about players we want to watch. Yeah. Um I I mentioned it earlier, and I don't know if we if we really need to do too much analysis on this because we've talked about the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't played in a way where the Niners have needed him to win with his arm yet, but this might be the week because of all the issues with the running game that we mentioned, like this might be the time that you need Jimmy Garoppolo to, to pass 20 times in the second half because you're down and, you know, can you move the ball effectively with Emmanuel Sanders? who we're also going to talk about, um, can he do it without turning the ball over without making those one or two head scratching decisions a week that, that he seems to make. Um, and, and can he be clutch? Can, can like, how much better would we? I mean, everybody has a very high opinion of the 49ers, right? They're six and zero. They're the only undefeated team in the NFC right now. Um, they've played it extremely well throughout these first six games, but it would be a pretty significant hit to the way everybody views the 49ers to like if they fell behind in this game because they couldn't run the ball or they turned the ball over like they did against Pittsburgh. Um, like it would be a significant. Uh, development if Jimmy Garoppolo comes out and plays in a way that prevents the 49ers from winning like he hasn't done that yet and I think a lot of people will view the 49ers differently if that happened on their home field but it would reinforce how good the 49ers are if Jimmy Garoppolo came out when the running game was really struggling when they needed him to win with his arm and he did it and he came through because it's been frankly, a really long time since he did that. We have to go all the way back to 2017 
because he didn't do it in the Niners only win with him under center last year because he basically did enough to lose them the game against the Detroit Lions in their home opener last year before he got hurt. And so, you know, we need to know if Jimmy Garoppolo can do that because if the 49ers are going to make a Super Bowl Super Bowl run, he's going to have to do it against a good team. So Sunday might be the first time we see it. Yeah, I think so. And I think really the big thing is, can the Niners just, can he get them to a point where they have the ball with two minutes left down by less than a score? Because we've seen him come through in that situation, and that's the bare minimum. You'd really like to see more, like you said, and I, I, I don't think we will unless they fall behind by multiple scores where they have to abandon the running game. But Shanahan seems pretty pretty dead set on on running the football and then and then running play action off of that. All right, so Daniel Brunskill and Justin School versus the Panthers pass rush. So pull up the numbers. Uh, Mario Addison, defensive end, Carolina, six and a half sacks in six games. That's sure. good. Uh, Brian Burns, first round pick out of Florida State, four and a half sacks in his first six games. Also good. Vernon Butler, three sacks. Gerald McCoy, two and a half sacks. And then they have three other guys with two sacks. Shaq Thompson, Don Terry Poe, and Christian Miller. Um, I mean, our, so if if the Niners can't run the ball, and who knows? We'll, we'll have to see if they can. Maybe they will. If they can't run the ball, and it is one of those games where Garoppolo needs to win with his arm, the other half of that is can... Justin School and Daniel Brunskill hold up in pass protection because we've seen the 49ers run the ball 80 times the last two weeks since Mike McGlinchey went out. Um, And it hasn't been much drop back passing. So if there is going to be a lot of drop back passing, can the tackles hold up? And we don't know that they can. And I'm very eager to see what it's going to look like with Brunskill and School going against Addison and Burns. And then the interior guys going against Butler and McCoy um, because, I mean, it's just a really, really tough matchup and it's going to be a really good test for that offensive front. That's, that's I think, going to be the biggest key is, is how well can that offensive front both move and stop their, the, the Panthers' defensive front. I'm, I'm, I'm confident Jimmy Garoppolo can go win the Niners a game. I'm not confident that he can do that if school and Brunskill struggle. And I, I think that's true of any quarterback. Right. Like any any right. any time a, a pass rush is, is hanging out in his hip pocket all day, a quarterback's going to struggle. So like you said, I think that's really going to be the biggest key is, and, and maybe this is all moot. Maybe the Niners go out and average five and a half yards a carry and they run it down Carolina's throat and they, they do the thing that they've been doing all year. But in the event that it doesn't, it's going to really come down to, like you said, School and Brunskill, how well can they hold up against a very good edge rush? And can they give Garoppolo the time to not only drop back, but to let routes develop down the field and open things up outside of the little 10-yard box the Niners passing offense has been operating in? Yeah, I totally I, agree. And in that same vein, I want to I want to move on players we're watching here. Uh, the the obvious one is Emmanuel Sanders. How much of a difference can he make and how much of a difference he can make might come down to what we just talked about in the pass blocking. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it, it's I, I wish I had some like some better analysis 
for for about this Emmanuel Sanders thing and what to expect from him Sunday. Like, is he going to play a third of the snaps? Is he going to play half the snaps? Is he going to play almost all of the snaps? He's very clearly the 49ers best receiver right now and the most accomplished. And his role on Sunday is basically going to come down to how much he knows the offense, how much the 49ers can trust him. And I'm, I'm curious to see exactly what position he's going to play. He could play the Z, the X and the F. Um, but you know, what, what's the best deployment of him? What is the best 49ers receiving core with Emmanuel Sanders in the mix? Are you going to stick him at one spot because it's so early on in his tenure and just have him play that one position and keep things easy? Or is he familiar enough with the offense and the concepts that Rich Scangarello ran in Denver? And are you going to use the same things and allow him to move all over the field and be a versatile weapon? Um, and what's the chemistry with Jimmy Garoppolo going to be like? Like, is he playing the slot? And are are they going to be on the same page in terms of like hot routes or option routes, yeah. which are largely predicated on post snap stuff and and the quarterback and the receiver seeing the same things? So Sanders can break off of his route, find open space, and and Garoppolo find him and and have you know have the timing down. Like, is that going to be there? These guys are going to have less than a week together to figure this thing out against a really good defense. So, yeah, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders is is just a giant wild card. It could be that he plays, you know, 15 snaps and is, and is you know, very clearly still trying to ingratiate himself within the scheme. Or it could also be something where he plays a ton of snaps because the offenses are so similar, or at least Kyle Shanahan made a version of the offense that's so similar to what he ran in Denver that it's it's seamless and I think it's I mean it's going to be something in between right yeah. like it's it's he's probably going to play like 60% of the snaps or whatever but I'm just curious how what what they do to get him comfortable do they force feed him the ball do they run you know bubble screens get the ball in his hands uh you know where's he going to go are they going to take some deep shots with him because he is a really good deep threat um just have no idea. And I'm, I'm fascinated to see what it's going to look like because I do think it was a really, really good trade just in terms of what he brings to the offense, but we just have no idea how quickly that impact is going to be felt. Um, and it's like, I keep mentioning Carolina has a really good defense. You want to talk about Christian yes, McCaffrey? Please. Because uh, 150, 158 yards a game. I think his yardage total, it's like over nine, it's like 920 something. I wrote about this today. I should know it off the top of my head, but frankly, I'm kind of exhausted. Uh, I think his yardage total is the ninth best in NFL history through wow. six games. Um, yeah, and he uh, he set the all-time record for receptions by a running back last season with 107. So Christian McCaffrey is V, v good. <laughs> as they uh the kids would say on twitter <laughs> he's he, he dude he's there's not a lot of holes in his game like there when he was coming out i think we kind of knew he could be a pass catcher he could be like a slot receiver but how well could he run the ball between the tackles he's really good at that he's liable to take it to the house every time he touches it and he's the guy to watch i, mean, I talked a lot about kyle allen earlier but christian mccaffrey's the guy to watch on the Panthers offense. Like he's a running back who's an MVP candidate in 2019. And that's reserved for, for pretty special players. And that's what he is. If the Niners can, I'm not going to say stop McCaffrey because that's not really a thing that happens, 
But if they can slow him down and keep him from from finding the end zone three times, four times, I think they're in a pretty good spot. But if they're letting McCaffrey score two on the ground and one through the air, like that's just that's easy for the Panthers' offense, and they're and they're and they they would run away with a win, I think. But uh, McCaffrey's responsible for nine of their eighteen touchdowns. Um, he's averaging uh, uh, five point uh, no wait where am I at five point eight receptions per game. Um, he's averaging twenty one carries a game. Like they, he is their offense, and if he is slowed down at all you, you the Niners are going to win like that's that's what it comes down to the last four games Christian McCaffrey has uh well let's put it this way if you paste out Christian McCaffrey what he's done the last four games to a 16 game season uh he would have 1,800 rushing yards and 832 receiving Not yards. Not even a uh, 92 catches, 832 receiving yards, eight touchdowns. So that's just those are pace stats, and pace stats are obviously um, right. like he's not gonna he's not gonna maintain that level through uh, through the entire year. But that's just what he's been doing the last four games since Cam Newton yeah. has been out. Um, I, the Niners said it 29 29 touches per game these last four since Kyle Allen became quarterback. Um, he's played 93%, 100%, 86%, and 97% of the offensive snaps the last four games. Um, yeah, he the dude is just a monster, uh, and- but you, you can limit him. Like Carolina did a pretty good job Tampa of limiting him, limiting him last week, but he still scored yeah, two Tampa touchdowns. Bay, he had 22 carries for 31 yards. Four catches yeah, for 26, and yeah, they scored 37 points, but that's because Jameis Winston threw five interceptions and gave him a ton of extra possessions. If Jameis Winston doesn't throw five picks, Tampa Bay probably wins that game, and they do so by slowing down McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. And you have DJ Moore, who has 425 receiving yards and a score. Um, catch, He's averaging 70 yards a game, which is damn good. He's He's catching 67% of his targets. He's a good player. Um, Curtis Samuel, more of a gadget guy, but a really good athlete. Um, I, I mean, I do think the Niners defense should be fine. Like as long as they aren't missing tackles on McCaffrey, they're sticking to their principles that, that have gotten them to this point and just playing disciplined zone defense and, and playing team football in the sense that everybody's sort of, you know, funneling ball carriers to each other and they're making tackles. Uh, I think that should be enough to limit them. Um, but can they get Kyle Allen to throw an interception? We haven't seen it yet. Um, and Kyle Allen is has been pretty efficient. And he's, like I said, quarterback rating isn't everything. Obviously, it's it's a pretty flawed statistic. But he is the highest rated quarterback the 49ers have faced. So to beat him, they're going to have to force takeaways, which I think is only going to happen if they limit McCaffrey's effectiveness and, and force him force Kyle Allen to have to make throws downfield or outside the numbers. And when that's happening, he's taking deeper drops, which means Nick Bosa and D Ford are going to be in better positions to make plays as pass rushers. So yeah, it, it all sort of comes back to McCaffrey. You limit him and force Kyle Allen to do other things. And I think you're in a much better spot because McCaffrey over these last four games has just been absurd. And, and the Niners can't, 
can't allow him to play at that level and be that productive yep. for them if they're going to win. I think that I think that's where the that analysis of the Panthers offense kind of starts and ends. Like it's that dramatic. Sure. Um, Eric Reed coming back a little bit of a revenge game. You said it's not about revenge. Um, he's, he clearly harbors a little bit of resentment towards the 49ers, which is understandable. They asked him to, to change positions in 2017 in his contract year. He wasn't altogether thrilled about that. Um, and we'll have to see. I mean, he's, he's playing well. Eric Reed's obviously a really good player. Um, not really interested in going down the road of relitigating his departure and, and why he may or may not be upset with the 49ers front office. But, um, you know, I can say that talking to guys in the locker room for, for a story I'm reporting, that's probably going to come out Friday or Saturday about Eric Reed. Everybody in the locker room has really good things to say about him. And, and I have nothing but good things to say about Eric Reed from the time covering him. Um, but it is, it is interesting because Eric Reed is, um, polarizing to say the least given, given all that's happened these last few years. But, um, I'm very curious to see how he plays on Sunday because he is a very important part of their defense as, as, you know, the strong safety, um, behind that really talented defensive front. And he's going to have a little bit of of an edge to him because the Niners did try to make him a linebacker. They did choose Jaquaski Tart over him, which I think you can make a very compelling case that Reed is a better player than Jaquaski Tart. Um, so that that is, you know, an interesting decision that the 49ers made to move on from Eric Reed. And um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what uh, what Eric Reed brings to the table for Carolina on Sunday because it didn't sound like in his comments that, uh, that he gave to reporters in Carolina that he was, uh, he was real happy about the way his, uh, his 49ers tenure came to an end. Yeah. He definitely wasn't thrilled. Said he wasn't bitter, but he's determined. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely a, a peripheral storyline to, to keep an eye on, see if he mixes it up at all, uh, after a play or, or something like that. Uh, and I am determined to end this podcast because we've gone on long enough. So we, (laughs) we will be back, uh, next week. There's probably only going to be one podcast next week before the 49ers play Thursday night on Halloween in Arizona. So we'll probably record a podcast Monday night for you. Like we typically would after a Sunday game, that pod will come out Tuesday. So it'll be reviewing the game against Carolina and previewing the Cardinals game. Um, and then we will have to alter our schedule a little bit since our podcast normally comes out on Fridays. We'll probably record Friday or maybe just wait until the following week. We'll have to see. But keep it locked. Uh, we did three pods this week. Maybe that's a lot one of, of the reasons why I'm so tired. Anyway, a uh, lot, lot of potting, a lot of content. Uh, we will talk to you guys next week. And uh, everybody enjoy the game and, and what should be a nice weekend in the Bay Area. Oh, and everybody uh, impacted by the fires in uh, in the North Bay and up there, the Kincaid fires in Cloverdale and Sonoma County and Lake County. Uh, we're thinking about you guys. Hope everyone's safe. And uh, that's obviously more important than football. But um, just know that thoughts are with you guys and uh, safety is important. And um, yeah, everyone be well. <laughs>